Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. Today, we're talking about record people leaving Ontario and where they're going because it matters to those areas a lot based on the rents and the house prices. My name is Daniel Foch. I'm a real estate broker and director of economic research at a company called Rare Real Estate. And I am joined here today by the one, the only, what's your name again? <laughs> the one and the only. That's it, right? Uh, hey, everybody. Nick Hill. Lucky enough to be co-host of this podcast, mortgage agent and partner at Land Bank Advisors, as well as a very active real estate investor. Quite the very market. We've, how, I'd like to consider myself to... very active. Yeah, I mean, day to day, it seems uh, I'm touching it. Does that mean deals. that you? Does that mean that you have to do active work? It's not passive. It is not passive. Damn. And. Um, well, you know, real estate is is passive overall. I decide to not be passive about it. I like being active. Did you see that tweet that I posted on Instagram? It was like a picture of a house falling into the ocean, yeah. and it's like Remind. daily reminder that real, real estate, estate. <laughs> yeah. is passive income. Let's get into it here, Dan. I think we've got a couple of quick announcements, and then I'm I'm excited about today's episodes because it's about people leaving Ontario, or as it's known throughout Canada, maybe for for some, Ontario. Uh, and people are leaving record numbers and going east, west, north, south, maybe. We're going to talk about where they're going. Yeah, I guess the gravitational pull of the center of the universe isn't strong enough anymore. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of the content that we're going to cover today, we covered in the newsletter, which is... What is uh, yeah, so if um, some of you listening right now have probably received it already, uh, we've teamed up with Patter. Uh, which we'll be talking more and more about as the app evolves, but we're very excited about it. And we're going to be putting out a weekly newsletter. So if you want that newsletter, which we'll kind of recap the podcast, recap some of the news that's going on, obviously Dan's involved. There's going to be charts in there. There's a couple charts. A couple charts. So uh, yeah, sign up for that. That is in the show notes. Dan, let's go over the meetups quickly and then let's dive right in. Sure. Um, so meetups, next meetups are October 10th, except for Charlottetown. They're doing one early um, because we just onboarded them. Uh, Vancouver hosted by Steve Saratsky and Monica Rao at August Brewing. Calgary, Cash and Homes and Calvert Mick is going to be at Greta. Edmonton is hosted by Demir and Sean at the Canadian Brew House. Kitchen Waterloo, Zach DeJong. Uh, Toronto, hosted by the one and only Nick Hill. The one and only. At, uh, where is that? Local. Local Liberty Village. Barry is Canadian Brew House with Pat Cassette, who is the accountant who comes on the show. Moncton, uh, we've merged with um, Cameron's group out there, and they... So I'll get you details on that one. I actually just don't have them. And then St. John will likely be adding in partnership with a guy named Nevin Hollett. I'm just waiting to hear some final details on that one. So today we're going to be talking about interprovincial migration. Now, before we get into interprovincial migration, Dan, I'd like to talk about something that maybe is a reason that people are not only moving to Canada, but in and around Canada. And that's because Canada was just ranked the second best country in the world. Now, can you guess on what criteria? The only things we seem to win on is debt. So I'm going to say household debt to income. <laughs> no. Debt to GDP. Nope. It's just the best countries per, uh, actually funny, per US news. So the overall ranking of best countries measures global performance on a variety of metrics. Switzerland, 
is the best country in the world for 2023, according to uh, U.S. News. So it could be a household debt ranking then because Switzerland is up there with us in household indebtedness as well. Mm. It's almost like household debt is correlated with quality of life or being a good country to live in, maybe? It would make sense. I mean, people use credit to improve their lives, like buying cars, buying houses, um, speculating on real estate, and that drives up the value of assets. I mean, Dan, you've had the luxury of living in number one and number two, Switzerland and Canada. Which would you say is better? I would say, I would agree that Switzerland is better, but it's also worth noting that these are some of the most unaffordable countries in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think you did some research on that. And when uh, one economist came out with their livability index, it said, uh, and this is from The Economist, your livability index forgot the price tag. So why not create a cost of livability index taking into account the average house price in each one of these cities. Dan, you want to go one for one here? Yeah, So, but this is a tweet that I put out. Uh, I did it like I was trying to get the attention of The Economist because I feel like it's one of the few places that I've, I haven't been able to contribute we'll get to. You there. But, uh, and, and so I felt that there, I've always felt that their livability index really ignores cost. So Which typically- kind of a weird thing to ignore. Right. Well, I just think cost of living is like, it's easy to say, oh, these places all have good quality of life, but quality of life for who? Like- Toronto and Vancouver are some of the most expensive cities in the world. Like literally, if you were to to look at the Economist Livability Index, it's also all of the cities that appear on the uh, UBS Bubble Index, right? So anyway, I'll start off. Vancouver um, average house price is one hundred thirty. Uh, sorry, average house price is one point three one million dollars, and they scored ninety seven point three livability points according to the Economist, which means that per household dollar, you're spending about $13,000 per point. And I did adjust these for uh, CAD and USD, by the way. Then we have Calgary after Vancouver at 606000 That's the average house price. And they scored a 96.8. So they did beat Vancouver by almost a full point in the livability index, which means that they come in at $6,264 per point. So less than half of Vancouver. Less than half the cost. Per livability. Per livability. Point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The price of livability is is half. So Toronto up there with Vancouver, one point one nine six million for uh, for house prices, ninety six point five just behind Calgary and livability, and that works out to about twelve thousand dollars per point of livability uh, based on the house price. Yeah, so basically exactly one thousand dollars less than Vancouver and just double Calgary. Then of course we've got Honolulu, Canada. Is that? Where's that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. (laughs) Uh, Honolulu makes it to list average home price of $779,000. Doesn't that just hurt to see that you can go live in Hawaii for less than $800,000 average price? They scored a 93.4 in the livability index, which puts their home price to livability index ratio at $8,348 per point. And then we have Montreal, which with an average house price of $600,000. Livability, the same as Honolulu, um, is actually cheaper, is is uh, more affordably livable. I don't even know what you would call this index, but the co- I called it the cost of livability. So it's $6,300 per livability point. Now, the next one on the list, now we're at the bottom of the list. So this is these are the lowest. Um, so it goes Saipan, which is, I think, in Goa. Uh, I had to look it up, but $80,000 for a house, which is nuts. Wow. But actually, I'm just going to skip through a couple of these because um, New York, New York City is a good example and a good comparison because it's often compared to Toronto from a global livability perspective. $919,000 for a house, 85.4. So it's actually, you actually do get greater livability per dollar at 10000 
dollars per livability point in New York. And there, then give me, give me the, give me the next one. Cause this is the funniest part. This is the most affordable livability. Detroit Rock City, baby. $80,000 average home price. Am I reading that correctly? I think so. Uh, and an 86.3 livability score. So your livability point to house price ratio comes in at $927, shockingly better than Vancouver at over $13,000. So you get more livability per dollar of housing in New York City than Toronto and Vancouver. And if you want to live in the most affordable livability city per dollar of housing, you have to move to Detroit. It is funny because when I posted this on TikTok, Instagram, et cetera, people were like, oh, well, it's Detroit. You got to worry about getting shot or stabbed or whatever. And like, Based on where public safety is going with a lot of other cities on this list, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> Those risks exist in very expensive places as well. So anyway, now let's quickly look at how Canada scores on this US news ranking system and why they say we made it to number two. So we we're number two globally in agility, which sounds like a dog breed competition. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the, the scores are adventure, agility, cultural influence, entrepreneurship, heritage, movers, open for business, power, that. quality of life, and social purpose. So the ones where we really scored well were agility. Great. That's cool. I guess we can move around fast. Quality of life and social purpose. Entre um, entrepreneurship is pretty good too. Number five. Yeah, I guess. Um, so adventure number 20, that seems a bit off, right? I don't know Canadians, what kind of adventure. What are we I mean, I guess it here? is like a, it's a nice country. There's a lot to do here. I think like that would probably go up, go. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So I so it's, they say for a country to be agile, it must adapt and respond to whatever obstacles it faces. I I don't. Anyway, it says they need to be efficient in their actions and adopt modern solutions. Quality of life. A lot of people say quality of life's in decline, but I think it is worth noting how much better quality of life is here than elsewhere. Like it is easy for totally. people to say as a political statement, oh, it's getting so bad here. But I think that as evidenced by the amount of people globally that want to move to Canada, it's got to be better. It is expensive, but it's got to be better, obviously. Entrepreneurship, I did find quite surprising, but maybe they mean you can become a realtor very easily because- <laughs> There, we do have the most, and we have the most realtors sure. per capita in the world, so very entrepreneurial go. culture. Okay, so that's that's some good news there. Canada number two, I like that. Now let's move on to uh, this RBC study that we pulled a lot of information from about moving around internally in the second best country in the world. And I did post uh, the charts and the link to this in the newsletter uh, that we mentioned at the beginning as well. So if you want to check that out, um, if you're a visual learner, you want to click through the report as well, but it's also just available on um, RBC's website if you just search provincial migration flows re uh, reverse course. So again, let's just dive right into that provincial migration flows reverse course. The pandemic accelerated course reversals of longstanding interprovincial migration trends in Canada. While Ontario saw its largest exodus on record, Alberta and the Maritime Provinces emerged as astonishingly popular destinations. The following 10 charts will track the shift and the possible drivers behind it. So we're going to go through most of those charts here. So as Ontarians exited, Atlantic Canada and Alberta welcome newcomers. This research fascinates me because it actually turns out that Ontarians have as much or maybe more impact on driving up house prices as immigration does. So I've been doing a lot of research for this for the presentation that I did in Saskatchewan for the Saskatchewan Realtors Association, which was awesome, by the way. Um, thank you to Saskatchewan for having me. I really appreciate uh, the hospitality. I got to meet with um, the premier of, of Saskatchewan as well as uh, shadow housing minister and uh, 
I, I just excellent people welcoming beautiful cities and a great market to invest in, which we'll get to. Um, so, so this chart shows net interprovincial migration by province. Um, huge drop in Ontario, losing about 50,000 people, which is way out of line with the 2010 to 2019 average. So why do you think people are leaving Ontario, Nick, before we get to it? I mean, the, the very obvious one is affordability. Probably heard that before, right? People wanting to start families, millennials in particular that are like, Hey, I'm making a decent salary, uh, you know, six figures and I can't start a family. I'm still stuck in this one bedroom condo with my dog and, um, I want more to life. And, you know, the Alberta calling ads have, have probably worked and, and the East Coast has, has a lot of desirable things to do outside of affordability, right? So if you're stuck in Toronto or in the GTA and the concrete jungle and, you know, you're, you're kind of in that rat race feeling, there's a there's a whole other Canada out there that I think has has caught the eye of a lot of younger people that are leaving to you know try to get a bit of a better life. Yeah, for sure. And and so from that perspective, I, I completely agree with you. There are a couple of things that did surprise me because it it doesn't it's not purely affordability. Um, Alberta, well, we'll get to it later, but they're not actually they're the third most affordable province. Or sorry third uh, least affordable province um, and they're above the national average. The Atlantic provinces are huge on affordability. But anyway, these ones surprise me and, and fascinate me a little bit and, and I'll get to it later. But Manitoba saw a little bit of a drop. So they're actually seeing interprovincial out migration. Now, the population grow, is still growing in Manitoba and in Saskatchewan. Um, it's just growing more by immigration um, than interprovincial migration. Um, but that actually tends to reverse during recessions, which is fascinating. And I'll get to that. So uh, Manitoba lost 10,000 people and Saskatchewan lost 7,000 people to other provinces. And they gained more than that back in immigration. Quebec barely dropped. They lost about 1,000 people, but and that was below their long-term average. So they're actually seeing less people leaving than historically. BC saw 15,000 people um, driven by interprovincial migration. Alberta saw 22,000, uh, which is about two times the increase they typically see. And then Atlantic Canada saw a huge increase of 28,000 people, much above their historically evident decrease in population. So typically they're they're losing people. So it's funny because, you know, everyone in Ontario is so bullish on Calgary and Alberta. We've been hearing it for years, but they should be just as bullish on Atlantic Canada. I really do think that Atlantic Canada is one of the big opportunities in this country right now. Um, and, and it seems that way, especially given the magnitude of the increase. Yeah, I mean, didn't you do a tweet on this? Something like a lot of young people talk uh, about moving to Alberta, but dot, 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 look at Nova Scotia. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at Nova Scotia at 3,000 net and Alberta at almost 5,000 net, Alberta is, you know, a lot of the outflows are, are um, in... Uh, into other provinces or people even leaving the country, um, right? Because, and a lot of that's political. Um, I think that what people would argue, um, but most of the uh, Nova Scotia outf- outflows are into other provinces. And and so there the, on the Twitter thread, I basically came back with the point that was the magnitude. So measure that as a percentage of the growth in 
Nova Scotia versus Alberta. Yeah, so it's looking like 3% growth in Nova Scotia and 1% in Alberta. So, so three times more in, in, in yeah, and, and Canada. Nova Scotia is a much smaller province geographically, mm. but also population-wise. So, you know, it's easy to say, oh, um, Nova Scotia, you know, the, the response that I had just read before, oh, you know, what's your point? Um, Nova Scotia is only seeing 3,000 and Alberta is seeing 5,000. Um, but when you look at that from a percentage perspective, and this is where it re- you really feel it, it's like everybody's, you know, saying, oh, you know, people are looking for growth markets. They need to think more about small markets than big markets. So, so do some math for me here. Yeah. Okay. So everyone says that the GTA and Ontario get so many people, but what does that look like as a percentage? Is it growing faster than other provinces? Well, we're going to tell you right now. So I'm going to start things off here, Dan, and of course, I'm going to take Ontario. So province Ontario, immigration in Q1, 60,000 people, 800, population of 14.57 million, and that's a 0.42% growth rate. So far in in this. So far in in Q1 so far, yeah. Yeah, so BC saw a larger growth rate at 0.48% so far in Q1 of this year with 24,000 immigrants in Q1 against a 5.07 million population. Then down to Alberta, we see 17,135 new immigrants in Q1, adding to an existing population of 4.3 million. So they grew 0.39%. Then Quebec saw about the same number of immigrants um, as Alberta, but against a population that's almost double the size, or sorry, more than double the size of 8.48 million people. So their growth rate was only... um, 0.19% 0.19% in Q1 of this this year. Um, and so, and, and I think a lot of that is to do with the um, the language laws in, in immigration. Um, give me Manitoba here. Yeah, so Manitoba, this is where it gets, starts to get interesting because we had, you know, 8,835 people, which doesn't sound like a lot immigrate uh, to Manitoba in Q1. However, when you add that to their population of one3 Six million. It actually comes out higher, the highest so far on the whole list that we've uh, that we've read out at zero point six five percent growth. I feel like we should be saying these in basis points since it's below Ooh, one, and we'll sound very sophisticated. I'm going to start doing that now. <laughs> so Saskatchewan, uh, similar similar number, uh, seven thousand three hundred eighty people immigrated in Q1 of this year against a population of one point one seven four million is a growth rate of sixty three basis points <laughs> in in Q1 of this year. Uh, then we so, go to Nova Scotia, 3,930 people immigrated there in Q1, adding to their population of 971,000, and that is a 0.4% increase or a 40 basis points. 40 bips. 40 bips, um, baby. New Brunswick saw uh, 209, or sorry, 2,900 people against 776 thousand existing population so uh, just shy of 40 basis points 38 basis points growth Newfoundland and Labrador 2045 people adding to their population of 521,000 giving them a growth rate of 0.39% or as Dan's on his new tip 39 basis points now we get to the big one so Prince Edward Island just 1200 people but against their existing population is 81 basis point growth. And here, I bet, you, I bet you, this, no one would, I don't know if anyone would have guessed this one. This was the fastest growing 
province or territory. Hint. There you go. <laughs> uh, Yukon had 345 people immigrate there against their population of just under 42,000 people. And that is an increase of 0.82% or 82 basis points. That is the biggest um, other than Prince Edward Island, which was just one basis point below. And so you have Yukon, PEI, and then Manitoba, and then Saskatchewan, who grew the f- at the fastest rate percentage at the beginning of this year. And so so based on immigration, the fastest growing markets, and I would say those are all areas that are expected to, to continue to grow at the highest clip based on immigration too. I mean, house prices, it's, it's kind of wild house prices. There haven't been as much of a story out of Alberta and Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. And why do you think that is, Dan? Yeah. So you're not hearing that house prices have become insanely affordable in Manitoba and Saskatchewan and Yukon or PEI. Um, and the question is why? And based on this research from RBC, it's because interprovincial migrants from Ontario are going to Alberta and Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, and they're the real troublemakers, I guess. Classic. So the report goes on to say that more Ontarians than ever left the province to live in other parts of Canada in 2022. This resulted in a net outflow of nearly 50,000. Atlantic Canada benefited uh, the post drawing a record inflow of Canadians from other regions, largely Ontario and Alberta and BC also had notably positive balances. So the next slide on the report says who's leaving Ontario. And the answer is mainly younger adults. It shows the distribution of Ontario's moving to other provinces by age group. And it's mostly young people. I would say, I think it's the biggest bars are 20 to 24, 25 to 29 and 30 to 34 year olds. It goes on to say that Early career-aged individuals typically make up the largest share, approximately 45% of outward-bound Ontarians. So early career age, that's just a very funny, fancy way of saying uh, young people in the workforce, I guess. And 45%, that makes up the largest share of people that are leaving. Very interesting. Last year, the profile skewed more towards the younger Canadians in their 20s. Ontario loss of young talent was... Uh, other provinces gain, especially out easy where their arrivals are rejuvenating an aging labor pool. So the next chart says people from greater Toronto area are also pulling up stakes. Net interprovincial migration of Ontario census metropolitan areas and Toronto. Yeah. And it basically just falls off a cliff. Yeah. So city dwellers accounted for the bulk. City dwellers. Is that, uh, it's almost an offensive city term. folk. Yeah. You watch it over there. Uh, 78% of interprovincial migration loss on a net basis last year came from people in cities. I mean, I love how it's basically Torontonians don't even care to try another area of Ontario or suburban Ontario. They're just like, nope, it's either Toronto or I'm fully out. And to, to be honest, as a guy that's lived in Toronto for a long time, I feel this. It's so true, eh? Like they're literally like, okay, I'm going to live in Toronto or I'm just like, I'm going to just go yeah, like to I'm Alberta. I'm going to Pickering right. or like Brantford. Come <laughs> right. on, I'm going no to offense to Yeah, no offense. No to offense because we do have yeah. a huge listenership in, in all those areas. And I do live in the suburban GTA. So once you escape the gravitational pull of the center of the universe, you can go all <laughs> kinds of places, I guess. Toronto recorded the largest loss of any other metropolitan area in Canada as about 21,400 people left on a net basis. That's almost half of the people that left Ontario. It's crazy. Yeah, wow. And another 15,500 people exited all other major cities combined. So the net outflows also grew in Hamilton, 
which lost 2,600 people, Kitchener-Waterloo, Cambridge, which lost 2,300 people, and St. Catharines, Niagara, which lost 1,900 people. And it's affordability, I think, is really pushing a lot of these people away. Well, that goes to the next chart here, right? And it's, again, it poses the question, why are Ontarians leaving? And it's because there are plenty of job opportunities elsewhere. So this chart shows us the unemployment rate among the early career-aged individuals that are between 20 and 34 years old, between the 2010 and 2019 average. So it starts off by saying, and I'm I'm going to flip the stat around because I they double negative it. So it says PEI saw a four percent decrease in unemployment, which is just confusing, right? Is it? Yeah. yeah. So they saw a four percent increase in employment is what I'm going to start yeah. saying. So hmm. Nova Scotia saw a three percent increase in employment in that same age category. In Quebec, it was a two point eight percent increase. Newfoundland, two point five percent increase. New Brunswick, two point one percent increase. Ontario even saw a one point six percent increase. The Canadian average was a one point five percent increase. Manitoba saw a 1.4% increase. BC saw a 1.2% increase. Uh, Saskatchewan saw a 0.5% increase. And this is the crazy part. Alberta actually saw a decrease. Very slight. Mm. I, I would almost call it being unchanged, but it did see a decrease in employment. And I think that that's probably because so many people moved there. And maybe a lot of them moved there with their Toronto equity and retired. <laughs> RBC says Ontario has long offered tremendous career options for younger Canadians, but job prospects have now tightened in other regions as well. This is especially the case in Atlantic Canada and Quebec, where unemployment rates have dropped to historical lows. No doubt this has helped ease any concerns that some Ontarians had about relocating. And, and I think this could actually help us see further growth in those areas if Ontario experiences potentially a more severe recession than those other markets. So when I was in Saskatchewan, I, I noted that you know the Premier and other people were talking about how strong their economy was. And they were actually one of the few provinces projected by all the major banks to not see recession. And this is because their their economy is all commodities and those are inflationary. And so if Ontario does see a more severe recession, then in, and I'm going to get to this later because I did present some information on it to Saskatchewan, but recession actually pushes people, continues to push people out of Ontario because why would they go? Why would they stay there? And they'll go to places where I'm, I'm imagining all of our listeners across the country just rolling their eyes like, oh, geez, it's not over yet. <laughs> like war Ontarians. But anyway, so I think that, you know, the next chart is wild. It shows the ability to work from anywhere. The share of Canadian employees working remotely from another province or territory went from 15 basis points before. Uh, so <laughs> That's just how we do everything now? Well, it's the easiest way to say a, per, a percentage under one. Um, so 0.15% of the population in 2016 to 4.1% in 2021. And it says... More Canadians than ever are working from home, and this likely reduces attachment to a city or region or a province where the employers are based, and it makes it possible and attractive for Ontarians to telework from another province. Yeah, so it goes on to show the affordability as well in this report, stating that they the affordability crisis in the GTA and other parts of Ontario is no doubt a top consideration for those uh, leaving the province. And yeah. Yeah, and homeownership costs take up much lower share of income, uh, in, uh, household income in every other province, of course, except British Columbia. You move to Atlantic Canada, that can dramatically reduce your housing costs. The average monthly after-tax income is a share of average monthly homeownership costs. Dan, let's go one for one here. You actually do the first half, I'm going to do the second half after the Canadian Ooh, average. Okay, nice, I like it. New Brunswick is under 30%. Newfoundland... 
30%, PEI just over 30%, Nova Scotia 33%, Quebec 34%, Saskatchewan 35%, and Manitoba 36%. And again, that is the average monthly after-tax income as a share of average monthly home ownership costs. So basically Dan the cost- Dan, hit me with the Canadian average. Yeah, here. so that's basically the cost that you would be spending on housing out of your, out of your income. And what's that old rule, 30%? 30%, 30% yeah. yeah, okay. So New, New Brunswick, Brunswick and Newfoundland, and PEI just sneaks in there for the 30% rule. Yeah, yeah. So, and the Canadian average is 40%, which is wild, because think about all the ones that you just read that are well under that 40%, and there are only three- provinces above the average. And it shows you how much those three provinces skew the data. And this is what happens with the Canadian Real Estate Association data as well. So Alberta, 40%. So they're matching the Canadian average. BC and Ontario, 43%. Just 3% higher than the Canadian average. And yet it somehow skews all of the other ones up. So the final chart shows us that Ontario still isn't seeing a brain drain. It shows net interprovincial migration and international migration to Ontario. So Ontario's outflow of residents, although it is large, was more than made up by massive gains in international migration. And so some 50% of newcomers to the province in 2022 were career-aged people, so 20 to 34. And and we know we've heard a lot about this from the almost crisis situation that's evolving with international students right now that's been highlighted by some economists. So as a result of this, despite the net loss to other provinces, Ontario's population grew the most at 2% in three decades. So it grew the most in three decades, and that growth was 2%. That's including uh, among the 20 to 34-year-old cohort. So let's talk about provincial growth between now and 2024, I think. No, is it 2040? It's 2040. 2043. Um, 2020 and 20 to 2043. There we go. Okay, good. I'm glad you can read numbers. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Because it doesn't show the same picture for Atlantic Canada that we just explained. And, and, I think that these statistics will be upgraded a lot. And I think you haven't seen a ton of institutional capital start to jump into Atlantic Canada right now, probably just because of this chart that we're about to read you, because I think it massively understates the demand that we're seeing for real estate in in Atlantic Canada. So let's just go through these quickly one for one. Yeah, this this is really cool. So the province of Ontario was, I should say, I guess is, or no, it was because it goes back to 2020. Yeah. Right. So was 14,677,000 and it will be in 2043, 18,262,000 experiencing a growth rate of 24%. Now, Quebec is only supposed to see about half that growth rate between now and 2043. So going from 8.4 million to 9.4 million. BC has a pretty uh, comparable rate to Ontario going from 5.1 million to 6.2 million. And that's at a 22% growth rate from now until 2043. Okay. Now here we go. Double Ontario's projected growth rate in Alberta from 4.4 million people to 6.19 million people. Is it- 6.619. Sorry. Yeah. A growth rate of 48% projected wild during that period of time by 2043. Manitoba goes from 1.38 million to 1.74 million. That's a growth rate of 26%. Saskatchewan going from 1.195 to 1.591. I think they just mixed up some numbers there. Um, 33% growth rate between now and 2043. So again, I mentioned this earlier on, think about magnitude. When you 
everybody wants to say, oh, so many people are moving to Ontario, but, and you're right, so many people are moving to Ontario, but from a percentage perspective, it's less people than Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta so far. Now let's head back east. Nova Scotia was 967,000. It will be 993,000. Experiencing only a very small growth rate of 3%. We got to do something about that, Dan. I know Nova Scotia wants more Ontarians over there for sure. <laughs> yeah, let's just ship some over. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Anyone listening from Nova Scotia, don't don't hate me. Don't stop listening to the show. So it fascinates me because New Brunswick's expected to see the same thing, 3% population growth uh, between now and 2043. And and there, there's a couple of factors here because Newfoundland is expected to see a 12% decline in population. And, and a lot of this has to do with their population pyramids or the aging populations. But I think, I really do think that this chart needs to be updated from 20, if you were to, if you were to put in now 2022 or 2023 growth rates and all the interprovincial migration, I would say that you're probably going to see Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and even Newfoundland looking at growth rates closer to Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and maybe even Alberta given how much people are go are flocking there from other provinces for affordability and quality of life and all of those things. Yeah, um, it is shocking to see, you know, Manitoba with a 26%, Saskatchewan with a 33%. And then we literally cut 30% off of that when we get to Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and actually, again, Newfoundland with a negative 12%. Dan, PEI is looking a little bit better. What are the numbers there? Yeah, so PEI, 25% growth rate, and, um, and then the territories, um, Northwest Territories, 9%, Yukon, 19%, and Nunavut, 28%, all by uh, 2043 growth. Um, this is interesting, actually, uh, qu- and quickly before we get back to the report. So, Ontario interprovincial migration, peaking uh, migration out of Ontario is actually capable of predicting declines in the housing market. So we're seeing so many people leaving Ontario and I, I posted this on my on my Twitter. Maybe I'll actually put this in the next newsletter, the chart that I created for this, but it shows basically interprovincial migration out of Ontario, quarterly estimates of interprovincial migration out of Ontario by destination. And then I plotted the past four housing corrections. Um, which we all of which we discussed in episode one of this podcast, by the way. And so 81, you see basically the ha- migration out of Ontario peaks, and then you see the line in 81. Um, and then you see it again in 90 peaks, uh, and then the, the housing market dropped close uh, shortly thereafter. 2008 and 2017, both milder corrections in the housing market and also milder migrations out of Ontario. And then if you follow the chart all the way to the right-hand side, you can see record migration out of Ontario. So from my perspective, should this um, Ontario prediction, Ontario migration prediction hold true, I don't think we're uh, we're in the clear yet for what Not our yet. housing mar- market is going to see. You want to hit me with, actually, before I, before you hit me with the, this great index, which I'm very excited for you to present, um, I want to talk about how the opposite impact happens in places like Saskatchewan and Manitoba. So they're currently seeing out um, out migration interprovincially. And if you look at their charts and you plot those same lines on Saskatchewan or, or Manitoba, they actually s- just start seeing growth in migration during recession. So people flock to those provinces where there's affordability, more stable jobs, maybe more, more uh, reasonable cost of living um, during recessions. And so should we see a shift away from economic prosperity into recession, which I think the writing is on the wall here, that could be a trade as well. You could be maybe looking to invest in those markets because if you're looking for growth or higher rentership, um, you might see more of it. 
Yeah, no, I and really interesting stuff. And I again, you know, tying that back to this this index that we love, we love finding slightly obscure information indexes and and reports that maybe not everyone's looking at and this has got to be one of my favorites i just think it's so cool you know u-haul if you've ever moved well u-haul puts out the u-haul growth index which ranks where trucks are coming and going they do it across north america but of course we're going to be looking at canada here so the u-haul growth index is new brunswick top growth province and that's for 2022 now dan let's look at the u-haul top 25 growth cities sure number um, one what do you what do you guess here <laughs> well i just pulled it you up just actually pulled it up, it, but um chatham ontario actually surprised me but you know what i mean that's probably one of the the only affordable markets left they in went ontario. from it went from 13th on the list to the number one growth city crazy in um, canada yeah and I, I believe it. It's one of the few affordable places in yeah. Ontario. And you'll see this trend happening uh, several more times on on this chart um, be, is people who can't move uh, out of province are moving to more affordable places within province. So the next one on the list is uh, Trois-Rivières. Trois my daughter's in French immersion now, so I have to okay, good, brush up on my- Remember when the last time I pronounced Oh, I remember it. I'll never forget it. Even Simone, Simone from the <laughs> was like, don't let Nick pronounce French <laughs> but, things yeah, anymore. But so, I, I butchered it too, so- um, uh, Third on the list, we've got another great investment market that actually went from 16th on the list all the way to third huge jump for Sarnia. Ontario. And then we have number four, Quebec City, um, which was fourth. They have both unchanged. Both um, Quebec markets were unchanged. Kelowna, BC jumps from number six, one spot up to number five. And then in number six was Sydney, Nova Scotia. So there's your first Atlantic province showing up on the city basis there. Number seven, we got a, we like this one, don't we, Dan? Greater Sudbury. How could Sudbury possibly get greater? It's just the greatest. <laughs> uh, number eight, Brantford, Ontario, which went from 17th on this list to eighth. Dan, let's round at the top 10 here. Sure. So we have Montreal in number nine and then Chilliwack, BC in number 10. Okay. You know, I can't help it. I'm going to throw number 11 there, North Bay. Good One more North Ontario. Bay. Maybe market. we'll throw in Maybe we'll throw in uh, number 12 as well because St. Thomas, I think, um, you know, that battery plant that's going on is going to be, I think, It'll continue seeing more and more um, people trying to move there, probably in pursuit of jobs and and growth as well. And now let's just quickly go, maybe we'll do top five provinces since we're doing interprovincial migration. Let's look at the U-Haul growth provinces. New Brunswick went from 10th to 1st. This is a percentage of U-Haul traffic that was arriving to that province in 2022 51.1% 51.1% in the year over year difference in arrivals is a plus 3% in the year over year difference in departures is a minus 9%. So then we have, uh, so New Brunswick, number one, Quebec, number two, Ontario, number three. The most interesting part actually to me in this whole chart is who's in number 10th, um, which is Alberta. And they went from being number one, actually number nine and number 10, BC and Alberta were number one and number two last year. So a lot of shuffling around yeah and it's crazy because if you look at bc the year-over-year difference in arrivals is down 18 percent, and the year-over-year difference in departures is also down 16 percent. whereas alberta's showing major positives here yeah for sure so why did we talk about people moving all over the, the country um it's because capital moves all over the country too good investment opportunities move all over the country as well we actually did our first our first course 
yesterday in the webinar for the course. We're it was officially great. professors. And it was really, you know, the, one of the big things is there are people all over the country and most of them are willing to invest in markets outside of their province. And I think that as Canadians, I mean, we, you know, we talk a lot about the drive till you qualify factor in home buyers, the fly till you qualify factor that's, that's happening now for home buyers who are, you know, they want the Canadian dream. They're moving to different cities. The same thing in, uh, exists for investing. We can drive till we quantify. And we've done that, you know, by investing in smaller municipalities within, um, Ontario. But I think that for me, like, I'm really, really eager to start moving capital around the country and investing in other things and actually opening the door to investing in the US as well because I think you really got to get creative with where you're moving things around. Some of these markets have just been so sticky to start giving returns back. I mean, the GTA, Ontario, still not seeing cash flow positive investment properties. Uh, Lower mainland, same thing. Um, Calgary, I feel like prices have gone up so much that they're not even really cash flow positive at at a reasonable loan to value. You know, I mean, I guess what markets are we seeing cap rates that are higher than interest rates right now? I don't know, maybe... Most of them are probably on that list of, of places that are currently losing people. Yeah. Now, this is some interesting data here, Dan. It's it's from the U.S. I don't know if this stuff is available in Canada here, but the average American moves 11.7 times in their life. And the main motivator making up 48% of the reason people move is directly related to housing. is family or job related. So there you have it. I mean, we have people in the course that literally have moved across the country because they are serious real estate investors. And they're like, well, I'm making good money, but I can't deploy that here. I can't get the returns I'm looking for in Ontario. So I go east or west and, uh, or, or maybe north. You can't really go south in Ontario unless you're just leaving. Well, yeah, Um, I mean, you can go pretty far south. I think the southernmost part is Point Pelee Provincial Park. Which is actually, uh, if you draw a line right across it, it's actually as far south as the northern border of California. There you go. We're almost California and Ontario here. This was a good one, Dan. I'm I'm happy we were able to discuss why and where and and also how people are moving around and uh, the effects that it has and should have when you're building out your investment thesis. And talking about people moving all over the country, we have events all over the country. Um, so, so get moving to those. October 10th is the next date for the meetups. Uh, we're keeping them casual right now. You're going to go meet a bunch of other real estate investors in a pub or some other casual setting and just talk about getting deals done. Deals are getting done at these events, folks. Yeah. Get out there. I and then, deal. Yeah, you did. I got a deal for last sure. time. Yeah. There you go. If you want to do deals with Nick, just <laughs> go out to his event. Um, and then uh, we got the course underway. So um, registration for the course will be closed until Christmas. I think we're going to maybe announce a bit of a Christmas present. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. We got we got things cooking. Um, for those of you who missed this course uh, and maybe want something shorter, less thorough. Um, let, let me be very toe clear. Dip. This is like- What are not, you, Tiff Macklem? Let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. This is not like any guru BS type stuff. We're not teaching you how to get rich quick. We're not doing any of that stuff remotely. We're literally teaching you how to get rich slow through- actual fundamentals. Dan and I take this very seriously and we were very hesitant to go into this side of the business, this side of the space, because it is very convoluted and, and toxic and, and can be, you know, mis- very misrepresented. We are trying to build out real estate school from an investing perspective. So just take that into account if you're considering things. And if you want a bit more information, reach out to one of us and we're happy to get on a call. Yeah, you can check it out still at uh, realestateinvestingcourse.ca, but uh, registration will be closed until we start our new cohort. And the next ones will be pre-recorded. They will not be in person. There will only be monthly webinars, I think, thereafter. 
Um, but it's cool. The community is developing really cool. There's a lot of great conversations going on in the forum. We're really excited about it. And then the last piece that we're going to add here is so if you like this and you want to see the, if you want to see visuals of a lot of the news and reports that we're covering, we're, we've started to basically email those out to listeners through the newsletter. So make sure you subscribe to that and then you can actually click through and, and read and digest these things on your own as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.